Folks, if you're liking what you're getting from 30MPC, the number one way you can support us is by subscribing to our newsletter. Every week, you only get two emails. On Monday, you get a content roll-up of everything that dropped last week. And on Fridays, I pick one topic and I personally write a deep dive on things like how to cold call, how to run a discovery call, or even how to hire an AE. So if you're liking what you're getting here, take two seconds, go to the show notes. You'll see a button to subscribe to our newsletter, or you can go to 30mpc.com backslash newsletter and do it there. We'll catch you soon. Cheers. What's going on? Jason Bay here. You can call me J-Bay. I'm here for a 30 minutes to President's Club Playbook Fundamentals episode. And today we're going to talk about cold calling. So cold calling has an average success rate of about 1.48% according to Gong. And uh, I don't know about you, when you start to do the math at 1.48%, you start thinking about all the conversations that you have to have, especially if you're an account executive, to actually land a meeting. So what I'm going to teach you in three parts today is how world-class sales professionals increase their cold calling success rates to 30 plus percent. So instead of converting one and a half out of every hundred prospects they talk to, they're going to convert one out of every three into a qualified meeting. So these are the same tactics I've taught reps at companies like Gong, Zoom, Medallia, and many more. So we're going to break this down into three parts. So first is the first 60 seconds. So I'm going to teach you how to succeed where 80 plus percent of reps fail. Second thing we're going to talk about is what I call the hook. So this is the middle part of the call. How do we create urgency by finding problems so the prospect wants to meet now? And then lastly, we'll talk about how to say goodbye and eliminate no-shows. Today's tip to optimize your sales day is brought to you by Boomerang. If you get an email and the action required on that email is going to take you less than two minutes to do, do it on the spot. It's not worth adding it to your to-do list, having to look at the item, remember what you need to do. That's going to take you more than two minutes anyway. So do it on the spot, get it off your plate. Now we documented our best templates and tips to help you optimize your sales day with our friends at Boomerang. And you can get that documentation for free at the link in the show notes. Otter AI's Otter Pilot for Sales gives you the freedom to sell on your discovery calls by taking notes for you. One of the best ways to deepen your discovery is to ask your prospect about the impetus behind their goals. So when a prospect tells me they want to advertise on more sales podcasts, I'll say, well, it's not every day that you wake up and decide you want to sponsor a podcast. What's causing you to even explore this in the first place? Now, we put together the ultimate discovery checklist with our friends at Otter AI, which you can get for free at the link in the show notes. So let's dig in. So part number one, the first 60 seconds. So this is where cold calls are won and lost. In the typical cold call, according to Chorus.ai, lasts only about 80 seconds and only 10% of them, one out of every 10, lasts longer than two minutes. So our objective with the intro is to earn more time. This is really important. Your mindset in the very beginning of the call, don't think I need to land a meeting. It comes out and it's really desperate. You're going to start pitching. You're going to start doing all of these things. Our goal is to earn more time. So you want to avoid these approaches that I'm about to share with you. These are conversation stoppers instead of conversation starters. So if you open up and say, hey, this is Jason. I was calling about sales training at XYZ company. Don't talk about your solution. Hey, I wanted to inquire if recruiting is top of mind for you right now. I wanted to see if you're interested in exploring our recruiting platform. 
Have you heard of XYZ company before? How's your day going? All of those are really terrible ways to start a conversation because you're burning up precious real estate at the very beginning by talking about yourself. So what we want to do here, and it's called a pattern interrupt, is we're going to use what's called a permission-based opener. The concept here is that the prospect didn't ask you to call them. You're an unexpected interruption. And what we're going to do is we're going to ask them if they'd like to opt in and participate in the call with us. So two pointers real quick on tonality, and then I'm going to give you five examples of ways that you can open up the call that start a conversation instead of stop the conversation. Pointer number one in tonality is be friendly. The goal here is to be incredibly hard to be an asshole to, all right? The simple hack, and you can probably hear it in my voice right now, is to smile when you talk, just like if you were approaching the person or a stranger in public. Hopefully, you'd have a smile on your face and not look like a, like a crazy creep that uh, looks like you're about to rob the person, okay? So smile. The second thing is no up talk or customer service voice. So you want to remove upward inflection, high-pitched tones, and unnecessary formality. Hear what I did there? That doesn't sound very confident when I say upward inflection. You know I'm calling from Outbound Squad. Remove the upward inflection. You're not on the phone with your insurance provider, okay? So we don't have to be super formal here. Conversational is what we're going for, so remove up talk and customer service voice. So here's five variations of the permission-based opener that you can try. One's the classic, I use this one a lot, Hey, David, it's Jason. I know I'm catching you in the middle of your day. Do you got a minute for me to share why I'm calling? And you can decide if you want to keep chatting. Number two is the gong opener. I learned this during my time working with gong. I listened to a ton of recordings of them calling senior leaders, and they would get a little bit of a chuckle out of this. The tonality is super important. Hey, David, it's Jason with Outbound Squad. I don't suppose I caught you at the worst possible time, did I? Number three is starting with relevance. So, hey, Jesse, I'm calling about all the hiring. It looks like you're doing it in Canada right now. Oh, by the way, it's Jason with Outbound Squad. Do you got a minute? Promise to be brief. Number four is Armand Farouk's opener. So if you've listened to this podcast for a while, you've probably heard his style of opener. The have you heard our name tossed around? Hey, Heather, uh, you know, we work with a few other construction firms here in Austin, Texas. It's Jason at Outbound Squad. Have you heard our name tossed around? And the disarmingly blunt opener is number five. Really like this one. Hey, Chelsea, it's Jason. You're going to hate me. I'm cold calling you. So please feel free to hang up on me if you need to. I was just hoping I could get 30 seconds to explain why I was reaching out. So those are your five openers, okay? The way that you can put this into action, re-listen to this. Pick one of them to listen to or download the playbook and the asset in the, uh, in the link here. So pick one of those PBOs and practice a few dozen times out loud and start using them in your cold calls, okay? So that's part one of the intro. That's one half of the first 60 seconds. Nail the permission-based opener. The second half is using what I call a reverse pitch. So prospect says, yeah, go ahead, Jason, what's going on? You're gonna be really tempted and you need to resist every urge in your body to pitch. You're gonna be very tempted to say something like, oh, I wanted to see if we could help with, you know, I'm calling from ABC Company and we help we're a blank solution, and I'm calling to schedule a demo. Don't do any of that kind of stuff. The prospect, their guard is going to immediately go up when you do that. We're not going to do those things, okay? So let's resist the urge to pitch. Let's go very smooth here. And what we're going to do is this reverse pitch, we're just going to simply share what we hear their peers working on. 
Okay. It's going to sound something like this. So prospects like, yeah, sure. What do you got? Um, great. You know, typically when I speak with e-com leaders like you, they tell me they're focused on one of two things. One is continuing to improve brand reputation. So helping their customers get more immediate and high quality human interactions. And the second thing is expanding their repeat customer base. So they're trying to find a sweet spot between, you know, chatbots and human support that drives LTV and, and really great brand reputation. Does that sound like your world at all? And then the prospect, again, if we've talked about something that is really top of mind for people like them and their peers, now it's a game on. We've talked about something that's relevant, okay? Now, at this point, we haven't talked about what we do yet. We're trying to get them to ask us, okay? So think about the last five to 10 conversations that you've had with prospects and think about what are the top two priorities that if I put 100 of those prospects into a room, they would all agree that these one to two things are very important to them right now or this year. Part one, first 60 seconds, where most reps fail is they do not use a permission-based opener and they pitch instead of using a reverse pitch. Let's dig into part two, the hook. So what do we do at this middle part of the call? Our goal here is to find problems and create urgency. So at this point, we've made it where most cold calls fail and it's time to hook the prospect to create interest and desire to schedule a meeting. So what we wanna do here is really find out current solutions and similar problems. So how are they getting the job done right now? And then what problems do they have in common with their peers? So the best way to find those problems is to ask for them. But just remember, when you're asking a complete stranger about their personal problems, you're essentially asking them to lower their status to a complete stranger. Most people are not going to want to do that. So what we're not trying to do is get the prospect to say, hey, yeah, I have a personal problem with that. What we're trying to get them to admit is that, oh, I share a common problem that my peers also have. The way that we're going to do this is through a framework called question stacking. Idea here is that we're putting context into the question before we ask it. And one, that helps us put bumper guards up on the conversation and it makes it very pointed. So it's easier to answer. It's loaded with context and it's low friction, right? So it demonstrates competence through that context. And then I know what I'm talking about. They talk to a lot of people like them. And it's low friction, low effort to answer because it's very pointed yet open-ended. I'm going to give you a couple of examples of good versus bad. And what I really encourage you to do, because this is in written form, is go download the asset. Uh, all of the stuff I've talked about in this episode, you can download in a guide. Uh, make sure to check it out in the description of the podcast. So a bad example, let's say I sell an HR platform. A bad example would be asking a question like this. What's your biggest challenge with your current HR platform? It doesn't have any context. It doesn't demonstrate any credibility. And it's very, very hard to answer because it's like, where do you start? You're likely going to encourage objections when you ask questions in that way. So instead, what we're going to do is something like this. You know, I'm not sure if you run into this, Dave, but a lot of HR leaders are sharing that they have a difficult time scaling and adapting to all the changes with work from home, return to office, budgets tightening, employee retention, et cetera. What places do you feel like you can't really systemize and, and automate and manage as efficiently as you would like? It's super pointed. I've talked about problems, specific things that people like them want to do. I'll give you one more example. So let's say I'm selling a solution that helps uh, prevent customers from calling into a contact center and speaking with a customer service rep by helping them answer their own questions in a faster way reduces cost to serve. So a really bad question to ask would be, hey, what factors are you noticing that are increasing wait times? There's no context, super open-ended. I don't demonstrate 
then I'm a trusted advisor. Instead, I can say, hey, you know, we're actually hearing from many digital leaders right now that staffing concerns are limiting human engagement, like which actually increases wait times. So abandonment rates go up, cost to serve goes up. I'm, I'm curious, how do you measure the impact of wait times on customer loyalty? Oh, we don't really have a way to do that. <laughs> exactly. That's why we called, right? So question stacking, what you want to have prepared is three or so questions that address common problems your prospect is likely having with a solution that they currently use. So that's part two, the hook. So, so far we've talked about how to nail the first 60 seconds, having some good problem-based questions. You'll know that you've done a good job in part two when the prospect has shared a problem that they have. And they might even ask you at this point what it is that you do. Part three is saying goodbye. The ultimate power move, I learned this from uh, Bilal Batra, he shared it with me in a webinar. I thought it was pretty cool. He's like, you need to be the one to say goodbye. That's how we level out the power dynamic. So if the call has gotten to this point, the meeting is essentially yours to lose. So your objective with this place is to secure the meeting. You're going to quickly summarize what they said and then share a customer story. And then I'm going to talk to you about how to schedule the meeting. That's going to sound something like this. Hey, great. So what I heard is that there's a good portion of your online customers who interact with a chatbot and they're not able to get their questions answered. And you're not sure how many, but it's bogging your agents down and driving up the cost to serve. That's exactly what I hear from other retailers like Nordstrom, who we've helped find out what those reasons why people are calling in, where they get stuck, and then prevent them from calling into the contact center. Do you have your calendar handy? I'm going to go right into the close, okay? If you know the prospect is a good fit, don't ask if they want to meet. Be assumptive and roll right into scheduling. Hey, do you have your calendar handy? Uh, the next step is meeting with my account executive, Tom, who can show how we typically help with these challenges. What's your schedule looking like tomorrow in the afternoon? Let's say 3 p.m. Lastly, what we want to make sure to do is what I call a triple confirmation. This really tightens up how we end the call and make sure that the prospect has a very high likelihood of showing up. One is we're going to get them to accept the calendar invite on the call. All right, Katie, so I have you down for 2 p.m. Uh, PT tomorrow. Can you do me a quick favor? Do you mind accepting the calendar invite that was just emailed to you? Sometimes these emails end up in the spam folder. Get them to accept the calendar invite on the call. Two, remind the prospect while you're talking. Reshare the agenda. Hey, I'm really excited to keep the conversation going. Again, we'll talk about the challenges you mentioned with the calls coming into the contact center where your team's getting bogged down, and I'll share how Nordstrom and a few other companies are approaching those similar challenges. Three is confirmation. So I'm going to let the prospect know that I'm going to reach out to confirm the meeting. Uh, lastly, I'm going to send you a quick text uh, and email the day before your meeting. Is this the best number to send that text? Awesome. I sent you a text just now so that you have it. I also included my account executive. Would you mind responding to that when you get a chance so we know you're good to go? Awesome. So that's three parts. Okay. So again, what I would encourage you to do, we went through a lot of text. All of this is in written form for you to go check out. Make sure to see the description, download the asset. You'll get the full cold calling guide for free. So what we talked about was how to first nail that first 60 seconds where most reps fail. We want to use a permission-based opener and a reverse pitch instead of an elevator pitch. The hook, we want to make sure to engage the prospect with preset questions that we ask that are loaded with context. And then lastly, we want to say goodbye and leverage that triple confirmation. So that's all I got for you. Uh, go check out that asset. Uh, if you want to connect with me, again, my name is Jason Bay. I run a company called Outbound Squad, where we help both BDRs, SDRs, and account executives turn complete strangers into paying customers. So we help with outbound, discovery, demos, multi-threading, negotiations, all of the above. OutboundSquad.com is the best place to uh, check us out for that. And appreciate you sticking around and uh, 
hanging out on the podcast with me today. Your Zoom Info actionable insight tactic is called Jane's Moving Up. Why? Because that's the email subject line you'll use when you get a real-time notice that your prospect Jane just got promoted. From there in the email, explain how Zoom Info helps rising sales leaders win their first 90 days on the job by highlighting coaching opportunities or supporting a team-wide prospecting push. And you can try out this trigger-based email template for prospect promotion and four other scenarios inspired by Zoom Info's go-to-market plays. Link in the show notes. Today's prospecting tip is brought to you by Woodpecker. When you're sending a sales email, you generally want to avoid putting punctuation in the subject line. If you've got an exclamation point, it makes it seem like you're shouting at them. Look at this amazing offer. And a question mark just smells salesy. So avoid punctuation. Now, if you want to steal my full sales cadence from my friends at Woodpecker, there's a link in the show notes for you to go get it and try it for free.